Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, hello everyone. We're back in the book of Revelation. Uh, We're in Revelation chapter 1, and today our schedule calls for uh, us to look at verse 17. We touched on verse 17 yesterday, down through verse 20. We'll be finishing the first chapter of this incredible book of, of Revelation today. And I was, it was hitting me yesterday that this has got to be, to me, one of the most powerful, dramatic passages in the whole Bible. Um, Can you imagine? You got John, um, one of Jesus' disciples, who he loved so dearly. You got John, who traveled with him, who ate with him, who watched Jesus preach, um, who saw these miracles who reclined with him at the table of the Last Supper. He was, he was with him when he was crucified. He was at the cross with him. He was given charge of Mary. Jesus from the cross says, Behold, this is your mother. He, he entrusted John to, you know, to take care of his mother. This is someone who Jesus referred to as his friends um, before he was crucified. I mean, these guys were close on a human level. But look what happens when John sees Christ for the first time. John is in exile now on the island of Patmos, okay, where political prisoners were sent during Roman times. John says he, um, in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And when we think about that, that line there, that verse, I was in the Spirit. John was in prayer. John was, when we are in prayer with God, we are in communion with God. We are in the Spirit. We are 
immersed in the Spirit of God. And in the Spirit of God, he was immersed in, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And, you know, that's Sunday. That's the day that the Lord rose. My study Bible indicates that the Lord's Day is what we refer to as Sunday the first day of the week, the day the Lord rose. That's the Lord's day, the day of the week that we that we rem- <clears throat> remember the Lord. And so, again, such a side reminder. How do we spend Sundays? Do we spend Sundays doing what we want to do? Or doing sports activities or doing cleaning up the house or housework or, you know, whatever we've got on our agenda. Obviously, we go to church, we fellowship with the the body of Christ, but are are we in the Spirit? Are we in communion with God on the Lord's Day, on Sundays? Well, on every day, but this is how John was spending his day. And then he hears the loud voice of Christ. The voice of authority sounded like a trumpet. And when we see uh, in the verses like 12 through 16, all these different characteristics of Christ, you know, it's describing Christ. But it's where we get to verse 17, our verse for today, that it is the dramatic description of John says, when I saw him. And again, when I saw him speaks to the revealing of Christ. Or as the name of the book implies the revelation. Revelation means Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revealing of Jesus Christ. When John sees Jesus Christ for the first time in his glory. Not as the human form of Christ when he was here on earth as a servant, as a sacrifice. But it is Christ's true state. And it is... Christ's eternal state. And it is the revelation of Jesus Christ to me that is just the most dramatic part of the the Bible that I've seen. Seeing Christ for the first time. John says, when I saw him, verse 17, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's how awesome and magnificent Christ is. We're not used to thinking of him as the as the glorious savior, high priest that he is. We can think of him as the sacrifice on the cross. We can think of him as the kind of the buddy that everybody followed around to learn from. But in his true state, John, the person that probably knew him as good as anybody, didn't relate to him as, oh, there's my buddy. He fell down dead as if he was dead, paralyzed. 
in fear. Because Christ is so great, we are so small. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. Christ knew that John was scared to death. First thing Christ does is say, fear not. I am the first and the last. Now Christ is describing himself in several different formats. I'm the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive. He's the first, he's the last. He transcends time. He transcends life itself, death itself. I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. There's no one before Christ. There's no one after Christ. And he is forever alive. But he tells John, I am alive. And I have the keys of death and Hades. He has the power of over death and he has the authority over death. He has the keys. Now verse 19, therefore write, excuse me, verse 19, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. So he's going to see what he, describe what he just saw, the things that are happening right now, and the things that will take place. It kind of makes me go back to verse 8 when Christ says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, the beginning of the end. The beginning and the end. Says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty He's everything. So now, John is going to get charged to write down the things from past, present, present, and future. As for the mystery of the seven stars, verse 20, that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven... Lampstands are the seven churches. So in his hand is symbolizing his church. These are his people. This is his body. These are the Christians who are placing their belief in him. And his seven churches are sort of symbolic of his body, of his seven churches. Christ laid down his life so that we would all have life in him and be crucified with him and then be resurrected with him. And he is symbolizing his churches, which are are all his believers. These seven lampstands, these are the light of the world, just like he is the light of the world. So, we're going to stop here, and then it looks like, as McGee is pointing out, the way Revelation is being laid out in uh, chapters uh, 2 and 3,
are these letters to these seven churches. And uh, we shall see. Um, he could be sending out these letters to specifically these seven churches. Or McGee's sort of saying these seven churches are also representing the history of the church from the very first, you know, church down to the latter church being the latter times. So it's almost like the history of how the church grew and matured uh, in, in world history. So several different ways to look at this, but we'll have to get into it next week because today's being Friday. We'll be breaking over the weekend. And again, as always, we'll start back up Monday through Friday. So now we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. And from me to all of you, God bless you all and keep your hearts centered on Christ. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Revelations 1, beginning at verse 17, all the way to verse 20. But before we begin our study at Revelation 17, we'll just go back uh, a little bit to verse 10. Um, and there's a point that we actually didn't look at. We just hardly um, passed through it. And there's just a point that Dr. Jim Ruggie felt, you know, the need, which is important to actually go back and just explain a little bit further on it. So verse 10 reads, I was in the spirit of I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice uh, as of a trumpet. So we had talked about yesterday, um, John being in the spirit, the spirit being, you know, uh, revealing the things of Christ to him. And we also talked about the voice of a trumpet, um, that's the Lord's voice to be like that of a trumpet. But we did not look uh, and we didn't talk about the Lord's day. And that's here that says, um, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So we didn't talk about it, what it is and what it actually means. So the day of the Lord that we've talked about so many times in scripture and the Lord's day are two different things. So, you know, they may sound similar, but they're two different things. So the Lord's day here refers to the first day of the week. It refers to Sunday. And the day of the Lord is altogether different. It refers to the Great Tribulation, the beginning of the Great Tribulation. But here we're talking about the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week. Okay, so now we go back to our study. We're beginning at verse 17, and I'll read verse 17 and verse 18. And verse 17 reads, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But... He laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. So here, we are looking here at the glorified um, Christ. The vision of the glorified Christ, the picture um, of what of whom John saw. So we're looking at him in one of his offices today as our great high priest. So who actually serves at the golden altar, the holy place where he lives and 
he makes intercessions for you and me. And then he steps outside to that uh, laver where he washes our feet, hands and eyes because we get dirty going through you know the wilds of the world today and if we actually go up to him and confess our sins, he is faithful and just and cleanses us and he forgives us. So in this picture here, he was in the midst of the lampstands. So this was the particular responsibility of um, Aaron and the high priest that actually succeeded him. So they took care of the lamps that were, you know, on the golden lampstand. This golden lampstand was one of the articles of the tabernacle. So um, it had like three stems shooting out from the main stem on each side. So Christ was the light of the world and the lampstand is the finest picture. It's like made of solid gold. It's the finest picture that we have of the great high priest. So the Lord Jesus Christ, um, of actually, sorry, the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it speaks of the deity of Christ, that golden lampstand, and the lights, you know, on the stems that are have got the, um, um, uh, is it an acorn shape um, at the top that opens up and you put the lamps in there, the light in there, it speaks of the Holy Spirit. For Christ said he will send the Holy Spirit so he upholds the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in turn takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us just as, um, you know, the lamps reveal the beauty, the majesty, the might, the glory and the, you know, of Christ. Um, they reveal the beauty of the lampstand. So here in this vision that John has, um, he's walking in... Um, the glorified Christ, he's walking in the midst of these lamps. So it wasn't just one lamp, it was seven different lamps. And, you know, they are separate, which we will actually see um, that these lamps um, are churches and they are the light of the world today. So he here, um, you know, he... Christ um, was the light of the world and he will um, be the light of the world when he was the light of the world actually sorry when he was down here but he said you know you and me we are going to be the light of the world so Christ is still the high priest our great high priest and he's trying to get light out of all of us today in verse 17 um, let me just read that again it says and when I saw him, I fell at my feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. So here we read that John has um, seen our great high priest. And everything we have seen about him um, shows that his in the position of judging because he's standing amongst the lamp the, the, the lamps um, he's you know in the, that position of judging his church and his voice is um, like the sound of many waters is the voice of authority 
sort of voice that called this universe into existence and will actually raise his own from the dead, uh, from the grave, and will take his church out from the world to be with him. And it's his voice of authority that his church should actually follow today. And that's the only voice that the church should follow today. So um, in verse 17 and 18, here we see the effects of this vision upon John. It's like it was paralyzing, it was dazzling. So John was, you know, if we read more about John in the book of John, he was very familiar with Christ. Um, he had actually reached upon his bosom in the upper room and he didn't mind rebuking Christ. Um, but when he was here on earth, sorry, when Christ was here on earth and how he actually, now here we see how he actually falls on his feet as dead. And if John, who was actually familiar with Christ, who was with Christ for um, three years, was familiar with him, did this, you know, this effect of seeing Christ, the glorified Christ, did this to him and fell flat on his face as dead. Then you and I, you know, when we get in his presence, we will not even look at him as he will be the glorified Christ. So, you know, today this thing of making Christ look like, oh, you know, he's our buddy. We need to actually recognize that we don't get familiar with him. You know, look at Paul when he met Christ on that road to Damascus. It was a blinding light that he saw beyond the sun and we can't even look at the sun today. So the wonderful thing here is that he says, fear not. In as much as we give reference to God and, you know, we, um, you know, he's not our buddy. He is our creator. Um, the wonderful thing here is that he says, fear not. And that's the greeting of deity addressing humanity today. And he gives four reasons for not fearing him. The first reason for not fearing him, he says, I am the first and the last. So this speaks of his deity. He came out of eternity and moves into eternity. So from everlasting to everlasting, as is stated, O thou art God. And this is what the psalmist actually says. So everlasting means vanishing. So from um, vanishing point to vanishing point, um, he is, thou art our God. So he is the first because there was none before him. And he is the last because there is none to follow him. And then the second point that he gives, the reason why not to fear him, is he's the living um, one who actually, um, oh, he's the living one who became dead. So this speaks of his redemptive death and resurrection. So Paul in Romans 8, 34 says, um, who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen? Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? So here, you know, we ought to ask a question. If, you know, a person, one, um, has a fault to find with you or me because they think, you know, you know you're a great sinner. Um, Christ died for Christ who is um, who was without spot or blemish he died for you and me so Christ rose for my justification to show that I am forgiven and I will go to heaven someday and he is our intercessor 
So who is man to actually point and find fault at me and say I am a great sinner as compared to them? So and the third reason um, why we are um, not to fear is scripture says, Behold, I am alive forevermore, as it uh, reads in um, verse uh, 18. And this speaks of his present state. So he's not only judging He's also making intercessions. He is seated at the right hand and making that intercession for you and me. The fourth reason not to fear is, um, Scripture says, and I have the keys of death and Hades. So the keys speak of authority and power. Jesus has power um, over death and the grave because of his own death and resurrection. So with all this, he, you know, he can actually say to us, fear not so we ought not to fear verse 19 goes on to read write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this so we have here you know the time division of the content of the apocalypse so we have the the chronological order of uh, and division of past, present, and future. So in chapter one, we have the things of the past, and then we have here um, the things that are what John has seen, and he's seen the glorified Christ, who is the center of this particular book. You know, this book has got a lot of symbols, signs, and all, but one thing we shouldn't takeaway is this book is centered on Christ. This book is Christocentric. It's Christ-centered. So um, then we have the things that are. Um, and that's um, the church. And these things are the church, the world, and this is in chapters 2 and 3. And we have the program of Jesus Christ, the things that shall be after these things. And we see the church, you know, going um, to heaven um, there and the things that take place after the church leaves the earth so and these are the things um, that Paul writes about so the things that were the things that are the things that Paul is actually seeing and the things that are to be verse 20 goes on to read the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So John makes it clear when using symbols. And you know, he actually just makes it clear. And it he and you know it actually helps us understand what the symbols mean. So they are symbols of something, and they cannot be spiritualized. So the mystery here that's um the sacred secret um that which has not been revealed until the time of this writing when it was given to john so the seven stars identified um as seven angels and stars represent authority so apostates today are called wandering stars as we actually saw in jude 13. so angels can be human or divine so they can come from the divine world or you know the human world you have people today like you know ministers in the churches they're called angels because angels are messengers and then the seven golden lampstands represent the seven churches 
of Asia, and they in turn represent the church as a whole, as a body of Christ. So in chapters 2 and 3, we have the position of Jesus Christ, that is the church which he loves and is his body and the believers which the father gave to him. So he loved the church and gave himself for it. And the seven churches will cover all the churches. So after chapter 3, um, the church is absent. And after chapter 4, the church is mentioned about 19 times. And from chapters 4 to chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, <clears throat> the great white throne judgment, the church is not mentioned at all as it's been removed from the world. It's been raptured. So the seven letters have that John wrote to the seven churches, they have a threefold interpretation and application. First, they have <coughs> a contemporary meaning. That is, they had a direct message to the local churches of John's day. Secondly, the second meaning is known as the composite. So each one is a composite picture of the church. That is, there is something that is applicable to all churches in all ages in each message and to each individual so it's composite so the letter may be addressed to one particular church but it has application to the church and to the church members and the third meaning is the third interpretation of application with um which is the chronological so we are and this is what dr given what he said he would dwell on the most so we are given the panoramic history of the church and it's given in the seven letters from pentecost to the <clears throat> um you know <coughs> from pentecost to the time christ <clears throat> to the time the church is going to be removed from the earth so they are seven uh, distinct periods of church history and we today are you know are close if we are not already there we are close to the last one of Laodicea so Ephesus represents the apostolic church that's the church at its best you know which is when the church started the first one and Laodicea uh, that's the last church. It represents the apostate church. And this prophetic picture is largely fulfilled, most of it, and is now church history. <clears throat> so the Lord will actually follow a well-defined and um, definitive format in addressing each church. <coughs> so the book of Revelations is very orderly and very well-organized and well explained it's a program that is um followed and and paul john sorry you know he states and describes each and every symbol that is actually given but we shouldn't forget that this book is christocentric it's focused on christ there's one thing we shouldn't forget there's all these symbols and signs and all but it's all about christ it's all directed at christ yeah so this is our teaching our lesson for today <clears throat> thank you all for listening in god bless you and have a pleasant friday bye bye